These are the oldest stories, online at oldeststories.net. When I started this show, I began with a survey of the gods, at least the ones which in my, at the time, limited early research seemed to be the most important. One god I sort of skipped over, however, was Shamash. When I first looked at him, I saw that he was the sun. Literally, he was the sun itself, way up in the sky for 12 hours a day every day. Also, he was the god of the sun. And with my modern perspective on things, I sort of thought, oh, he's, he's the sun, and, and decided that's that. He didn't really have a starring role in the great myths, and in my mind, being the sun probably just took up all his time. Since he didn't seem interesting, I sort of skipped him. Then, as the show went on, I started to notice Shamash popping up all the time. Kings beg him for guidance. Regular folk beg him for justice. And as centuries rolled into the first millennium and onwards, gods came and went in importance, but Shamash is still being invoked. Now, here's the thing, and this might have been obvious to everyone but me, the sun is actually hugely important. Shamash was the one god you could see each and every day. The one god who could be counted on to make an appearance no matter what. And in previous episodes, I gave the title of longest-lived Mesopotamian god to Ishtar, but did you know there's still a town in modern-day Israel, some 20 miles west of Jerusalem, called Beit Shemesh, or House of the Sun. When we study the Hebrew Bible, the first chapter of Genesis, people wonder why, at least in modern English translations, it refers to the sun and the moon as the great light and the little light. Well, theologically, that's because the biblical creation account was trying very hard to remove any mention of non-Yahweh deities in the story. And here's the thing. Moses, or whoever wrote the account, had to use an awkward euphemism for the sun because there is no way of referring to the sun in the ancient Semitic languages other than to reference the god Shamash. This was the case back then, and even in modern Hebrew, 3,000 years after they've been trying this whole monotheism thing, the word for sun is still Shemesh. The vowels changed a little bit. That's fine. It's a couple thousand years. We can do some vowel shifts. But our friends in modern Israel, they likely don't think about the ancient sun god too often. But think about the significance of this for the ancient Mesopotamians. For them, there's no real way to speak of the sun without speaking of the god. And no way of speaking of the god without speaking about the giant ball of fire that's up in the sky. When you remember that the sun is a crucial part of the environment around which all of ancient life was ordered, suddenly, even those who think that the entire pantheon of gods was nothing more than an elaborate fiction can see that Shamash was a key component in all life. 
And so today, we're going to more or less repeat what we did last episode, opening up Benjamin R. Foster's fantastic and weighty tome called Before the Muses, and pretty much straight reading translations of ancient texts, these discussing Shamash the Sun. We will open with praise of Shamash in one of the oldest texts of the Akkadian language, quite possibly dating to the Akkadian Empire itself, so old that Shamash is depicted as riding around on a bison. It reads, Imposing doorbolt of the sky, most exalted of the gods, whom heaven relies on, Shamash the sun, who holds in his hand the life of the land. He is the king's right arm. The beloved of Ea the leader, god of joyful occasions, shining light, fiery radiance, awe-inspiring splendor of the depths, vanguard of the Anuna gods. He it is who gives overpowering strength and fierce weaponry to young men. Daylight, chief herald on the mountain ranges, herald of the brightening sky, god of gods, imposing light, he makes his rounds, keeping watch over the land by day and by night. The lands of Ea. He sustains the campaigners and traveling merchants in foreign lands. The foreign lands render up lapis and silver to the traveling merchant. The cedar forest yields unworked timber, boxwood, cypress, standing tall like splendid standards, fit for a nobleman to adorn his house. He loads his barge with aromatics, oils, and honey, the goods that merchants bring, and incense of the gods, juniper, almond, and fragrant oil. Awe-inspiring splendor lights up the bison of the sun. His radiance sheds afar the joy of Enlil, the great courtyard. He fills with copper, gold, silver, and lapis the wide courtyard of his temple. As we move forward in time, we see Shamash getting more specific praise than just this. I mean, this focused on wealth in general, he's powerful in general. Let's be honest, all the gods give strength to young men. Uh, it is a bit distinctive that even at this early time he's guarding travelers and merchants, but that may be partly because Nearly every god in an ancient Mesopotamian context was localized to a certain place. There would have been a temple or a set of temples across various cities with statues in which the gods themselves resided. Shamash, though, resides everywhere, possibly uniquely among the Mesopotamian gods, except, of course, for the moon god, Nana or Sin. And so... It makes sense that Shamash would be protecting the travelers who go everywhere. Aside from that, this praise poem was a bit generic. That's fine. As we move forward in time, though, Shamash gets more specific in his roles and things. As the sun, here's the thing, he saw all things in the course of each day. And as the sun, his rising and falling was regular and predictable. No wonder, then, that he was praised as a god of divination, for knowing all things, of justice, for his regularity, of honesty, and of knowledge, all four of which were conceptually tied together through the magical act of predicting the future. 
The text we're about to look at is interesting because it tells us explicitly what actions are being performed as they're being said. So we get to not only hear the veneration for Shamash, but also all the pomp and ceremony which would have surrounded the ripping out of a sheep's liver to read the future. O Shamash, Lord of Judgment, O Adad, Lord of Ecstasy and Divination, I hold up to you a sacred lamb, offspring of a ewe, a bright-eyed, dappled lamb, a sacred lamb, curly of fleece, which is flopped out from the ewe's breech. Its fleece, which no shepherd plucked, neither right nor left, I will pluck for you. Its fleece of the right and left side I will set out for you. Invite the great gods with resin. Let cedar and resin invite all of you. In the ecstasy I perform, in the ritual I perform, place the truth. In the matter of the person whose ritual we're performing, in the lamb I offer, place the truth. I call to you, Shamash, I beseech you to cleanse me. In the lamb I offer, place the truth. O Shamash, you opened the bolts of heaven's gates. You ascended to this place, a stairway of purest lapis lazuli. Next, you hold a scepter of lapis at your side for judgment. The case of the great gods you judge, the case of the wild beasts you judge, and the case of humankind you judge. Judge this day the case of our client. On the right of the lamb, on the left of the lamb, place the truth. Come in, O Shamash, Lord of Judgment. Come in, O Adad, Lord of Prayers and Divination. Come in, O Sin, King of the Tiara, Ishtar, Lady of Divination, Ishara, who dwells in the inner chamber. Geshtin Anna, recorder of the gods, herald of An, Nurgle, lord of the weapon, cause to be present the divinity in charge of the ecstasy I perform, and in the ecstasy I perform, place the truth. In the handiwork of the great gods, in the tablet of the gods, let the vesicle be in place. Let Nasaba the scribe write the case down. Let the divine shepherd bring forward a sheep to the assembly of the great gods so the case may go well. Let the judges, the great gods who sit on thrones of gold, who dine from trays of lapis, take their seats before you. Let them judge the case of injustice and righteousness. Judge this day the case of our client on the right of the lamb, on the left of the lamb, Place the truth. I perform this ecstasy for the well-being of, insert name here, our client, son of so-and-so, for his well-being. It is, as we can see, a hymn for Shamash, but like so many of Shamash's rituals and prayers, the other gods get involved as well. Now, this is common generally in polytheistic practice, but particularly in Shamash's case, we see that he's often extremely important, but it's much less often the case that he's the only important figure in any given ritual or hymn. That says, he does have the so-called Great Hymn of Shamash, which is perhaps the best descriptor of the god in his mature form. Now, this is a pretty late hymn, actually, from the Iron Age, but it's built out of parts of many 
much earlier hymns all crushed together. And so it gives us a sense of how they saw Shamash back when he was actually a going concern for the world. Illuminator of all, the whole of heaven, who makes light the darkness for humankind, above and below. Shamash, illuminator of all, the whole of heaven, who makes light the darkness for humankind, above and below. Your radiance spreads out like a net over the world. You brighten the gloom of the distant mountains. Gods and netherworld gods rejoiced when you appeared. All the Igigi gods rejoice in you. Your beams are ever mastering secrets. At the brightness of your lights, humankind's footprints become visible. The four world regions you set alight like fire. You open wide the gate of all sanctuaries. You multiply the food offerings of the Igigi gods. O Shamash, humankind kneels to your rising. All countries worship you. Illuminator of darkness, opener of heaven's bosom, hastener of the morning breeze for the grain field, life of the land. Your splendor envelops the distant mountains. Your glare has filled all the lands. Leaning over the mountains, you inspect the earth. You balance the disk of the world in the midst of heaven for the circle of the lands. You make the people of all lands your charge. All those King Ea, the counselor, has created are entrusted to you. Your shepherd all living creatures together. You are their herdsmen above and below. You cross regularly through the heavens. Each day you traverse the vast earth. High seas, mountains, earth and sky, you traverse them regularly, every day. In the lower regions, you take charge of the netherworld gods, the demons, the netherworld Anuna gods. In the upper regions, you administer all the inhabited world. Shepherd of the lower regions, herdsman of the upper regions. You, Shamash, are regulator of the light for all. You cross time and again the vast expanse of the seas, whose depths not even the Igigi gods know. O Shamash, your radiance has gone down to the deep. The hairy hero man of the ocean can see your light. O Shamash, you tighten like a noose, you surround like a mist, your broad protection is cast over the lands. Though you darken each day, your face is not eclipsed, for by night you traverse the below world. For far-off regions unknown and uncounted leagues, you have persevered, O Shamash. What you went by day, you returned by night. Among all the Igigi gods, there is none who does such wearisome toil but you, nor among the sum total of the gods is one who does so much as you. At your rising, the gods of the land assembled. Your fierce glare covered the land. Of all the lands of different tongues, you know their intentions, you see their footprints. All humankind kneels before you. O Shamash, everyone longs for your light from the diviner's bowl to the knots of cedar. You are the most reflective of dream interpreters, explicators of night visions. The parties to contracts kneel before you. Before you both wicked and just kneel down. No one goes down to the depths without you. 
You clear up the case of the wicked and criminal. You send back to court the rogue surrounded by false witnesses. You rescue from the brink of hell the innocent one tied up in a lawsuit. What you pronounced in just verdict, O Shamash, is always true. Your utterances are manifest. They cannot be changed. You show no favoritism. You give support to the traveler whose journey is trying. To the seafarer in dread of the waves, you lend aid. You are wont to guide the roamer on unexplored routes. You always guide on the road any who turn towards Shamash. You rescued from the flash flood the merchant bearing his purse. You bring up the one gone down to the deep. You set wings upon him. You reveal havens to the refugees and runaways. You show the exile roads he did not know. You set free the one hidden in a dungeon. You save the displaced cast in prison. You reconcile promptly the god who is angry with someone. You stand by the sick man. You investigate the cause of his ailment. From the land of no return, you return. You are exalted, O Shamash, with your battle net. You conquer from your meshes. No villain can escape. He who in taking an oath is bound. For the one who does not fear you is doomed. Your wide net is spread. The man who covets his neighbor's wife, he will make to stand judgment before his appointed day. A snare is set for him. The wicked man will suffer. Your weapon makes straight for him. There will be none to save him. His own father will not be present at his trial, nor will his own brothers reply to the judge's queries. He is caught unawares by a metal trap. You blunt the horns of the scheming villain. The perpetrator of a cunning deal is undermined. You show the rogue judge the inside of a jail. He who takes the fee but does not carry through, you make him bear the punishment. The one who receives no fee but takes up the case of the weak is pleasing to Shamash. He will make long his life. The careful judge who gives just verdicts, controls the government, lives like a prince. What return is there for the investor in dishonest dealings? His profits are illusory. He loses his capital. He who invests in long-range enterprises, who returns even one shekel to the temple, is pleasing to Shamash. He will make long his life. He who commits fraud as he holds the balances, who switches weights, who lowers the scales, his profits are illusory. He loses the capital. The one who is honest in holding the balance will see plenty of wealth. Whatever he weighs will be given to him in plenty. He who commits fraud as he holds the dry measure, who pays loans by the smaller standard, demanding payment by the extra standard, before his time, the people's curse will take effect on him. Before his due, he will be called to account. He will bear the consequence. No heir will be there to take over his property, nor will there be kin to succeed to his estate. The honest merchant, who pays loans by the extra standard, thereby to make extra virtue, is pleasing to Shamash. He will grant him extra life. He will make his family numerous. He will acquire wealth. His seed will be perpetual, as the waters of a perpetual spring. For the man who does virtuous deeds, who knows not fraud, 
the man who will always say what he really means, there will be blessings aplenty. The seed of the evildoers will not be perpetual. The naysayers' speeches are before you. You quickly analyze what they say. You hear and examine them. You see through the trumped-up lawsuit. Each and every one is entrusted to your hands. You make their omens the right ones for them. You resolve what perplexes. You heed, O Shamash, prayer, supplication, and blessing. Obeisance, kneeling, whispered prayer, and prostration. The feeble one calls you as much as his speech allows him. The meek, the weak, the oppressed, the submissive, daily, ever, and always come before you. He whose family is far off, whose city is distant, the shepherd in the afflictions of the wilderness, the herdsman in trouble, the keeper of sheep among the enemy, comes before you. O Shamash, there comes before you the caravan in anxious progress, the traveling merchant, the agent carrying capital. O Shamash, there comes before you the fisherman with his net, the hunter, the archer, the driver of the game. The fowler among his snares comes before you, the skulking thief who hates the daylight. The bandit on the wilderness paths come before you. The wandering dead, the vagrant spirit come before you. O Shamash, you have listened to them all. You did not hold back those who came before you. You heeded them. For my sake, O Shamash, do not despise them. You grant wisdom, O Shamash, to humankind. You grant those seeking you your raging fierce light. You make their omens the right ones for them. You preside over sacrifices. You probe their future in every way. You grant wisdom to the limits of the inhabited world. The heavens are too puny to be the glass of your gazing. The world is too puny to be your seer's bowl. On the twentieth of the month, you rejoice with mirth and joy. You dine, you drink fine brew. The tavern keeps beer at wharfside. They pour barkeep's beer for you. You accept it. You are the one who saved them, surrounded by mighty waves. You accept from them in return their fine, clear libations. You drink their sweet beer and brew. You are the one who makes them achieve the goals they strive for. You release the ranks of those who kneel to you. You accept prayers from those who are wont to pray to you. They reveal you. They extol your name. They praise your greatness forever. Impostors, those whose tongues urge sedition, who, like clouds, have neither face nor approach, those who go all over the wide earth, those who tread the lofty mountains, the hairy hero men of the oceans, filled with fearsomeness, they yield of the ocean, which goes all over the deep. The catch of the rivers are what pass, O Shamash, before you. Which are the mountains? not arrayed in your beams. Which are the corners of the earth that are not warmed by the brightness of your rising? Brightener of gloom, illuminator of shadow, penetrator of darkness, illuminator of the wide world, who makes daylight shine, who sends down the heat glare of midday to the earth, who makes the wide world glow like flame, who can shorten the days and lengthen the nights, 
who can cause cold, frost, ice, and snow, who shuts tight the gate, the bolts of heaven, opens wide the doors of the inhabited world, who is master of socket and pin, latchkey and bolt, who is always relentless but bestows life, who protects the captive in a fight to the death, reason, counsel, deliberation, advice are your virtues, O Shamash. To Ebabar, shining house, your splendid abode, I will bring you a banquet from the four world regions. King, governor, high priest, and prince, may they bring you their tribute, bring you in a libation the yield of the lands. May your throne dais be renewed, you whose utterances cannot be changed. May Aya, the bride, your spouse, say to you in the bedchamber, be appeased, O Shamash. This is a lot of power. This is a lot of importance. And with his near omnipresence, Shamash was a popular figure in protection rituals. There are a ton of small ones, protecting against everything from evil sorcery to snakes and dogs. And in fact, over on the oldest stories TikTok, I've read some of them over there, and if I find some more, I'm going to read some more. I just sort of pick and choose at random over there. If you're on TikTok, you want fact of the day a couple times a week, there you go. A good overview of everything he does, though, is a hymn which would be recited by a priest and king together, presumably for the protection of the nation as a whole, though it isn't clear on what occasion or how often it would be recited. The first part would be said by the priest. O Shamash, when you come forth from the great mountain, when you come forth from the great mountain, the mountain of the deep, when you come forth from the holy hill where destinies are ordained, when you come forth from the back of heaven to the junction point of heaven and earth, the great gods attend upon you for judgment. The Anuna gods attend upon you to render verdicts. Humankind, including all peoples, await your command. Livestock, wildlife, all four-footed creatures fix their eyes upon your great light. O oh, Shamash, you are the greatest of sages, your own best counselor. O oh, Shamash, you are the greatest of leaders, judge of heaven and earth. Whatever is secret in the heart is spoken out before you. All people's passing thoughts speak as if aloud to you. You strike down instantly the party in the wrong. You single out truth and justice, the oppressed and maltreated. The one trapped inadvertently in an oath, the one who encountered the unforeseen, the one in the grip of contagion, the one held hostage by a fiend, the one beset by a malignant phantom, the one smothered in his bed by a malignant apparition, the one flung down by a malignant shade, the one slain by a huge specter, the one whose limbs are malignant, god-twisted, the one whose hair 
there a malignant demon stood on end, the one taken by Malamashtu, the one flung down by a paralyzing demon, the one made feverish by a snatching demon, the one wedded by a female ghost, the young man frustrated by a female ghost, the one thwarted by a bad sign, the one bound by a curse, the one despised by a mouth of malice, the one cursed by a tongue of malice, the one glowered at balefully by an eye of malice, the one bound by witchcraft, the target of machination. Shamash, you have the power to revive all of them. You resolve conflicting testimony as if it were one. The exorcist is the messenger of Ea. He sent me to revive this troubled man. I repeat to you Ea's commission. Render a verdict for the king, son of his god. Banish the foul sickness from his body. Pour out pure water, clean water, clear water upon him. When he bathes the image of his substitute in the bath water, when the water flows from its body, may the malignant phantom, malignant apparition, malignant shade, malignant specter, malignant god, malignant lurking demon, Lamashtu, paralyzing demon, snatching demon, male ghost, female ghost, contagion, fiend, foul sickness, all flow like water from the body of the king, son of his personal god, and quit his person. O Shemesh, whose mightily given command cannot be changed, let this day his wrong be dissolved. May the tongue of malice be deflected. May the king's god proclaim your greatness. May the king sound your praises. And I, to the exorcist, your servant, will render you homage. All that was the priest's part. What comes next would be recited by the king. O Shamash, judge of heaven and earth, Lord of above and below, light of the gods, guide of humankind, who sets free the captive, who revives the moribund, who averts evil consequences of signs and portents, who eliminates illness, who dispels darkness and brings illumination. I, king of this city, your servant, turn to you, seek you, stand in judgment upon my case this day, illumine my darkness, clear up my confusion, set right my uncertainties, save me from bad signs and portents, from magic circles, or any human agency that may block my progress. Release my bond, give me life, for I am afraid, anxious, terrified of the evil consequences of bad signs and portents that are present in my house. Avert from me the evil consequences of the signs and portents, lest I die or come to harm. May this evil not approach me, may it not draw near me, may it not reach me, may it not catch up with me, may it cross river, may it go beyond mountain, may it be three thousand six hundred leagues distant from my person, may it mount to the sky like smoke, like an uprooted tamarisk, may it not return where it was, let me proclaim your greatness, let me sound your praises." And you can see right away, I do, I do silly voices. I don't know, it's probably really distracting. But even beyond the silly voices, just from what they're saying, you can tell that even in one prayer, two different people address the same God and have very different priorities 
even though they want the same thing in the same ritual, just because different roles of people interacted with the god in different ways. Sadly, we have a lot from priests and kings, but not much from regular people. But what we do have is we do see some stuff that ordinary people would pray. And Shamash, this is why Shamash is actually really interesting, because he does have temples. There are temples to Shamash. There are cult icons of Shamash. But a regular guy, after a hard day's work, out in the fields under the harsh light of Shamash, would say a prayer at sunset, facing the setting sun, wishing that Shamash could have a nice rest as he headed home past the horizon. O Shamash, when you enter innermost heaven, may the pure bolt of heaven greet you. May the door of heaven salute you. May justice your beloved vizier, bring you straight in. Show your splendor to the Ababar, your lordly dwelling. May Aya, your beloved wife, meet you happily. May she make you relax. May your godly meal be set before you. O youthful warrior Shamash, let them ever praise you. O lord of Ababar, go straight on your path. Make straight your way. Go true course to your dwelling. O Shamash, you are the judge of this land, administrator of its verdicts. I think it's I think it's sweet that the people would not just ask the god for things and praise him, but they'd also wish blessings on the god himself, that he may have a nice evening at home with his family till he has to go back to work the next day. And what a, what a different sort of relationship this is that they had with their gods than a modern Christian has with God. Far more of a two-way street, which is why, of course, they spend so much time extravagantly praising the gods, because while there's still an unbridgeable gap between the mortal and the divine in everyday experience, it's a, a smaller gap than monotheists typically deal with. They see these people as, as characters, as figures in their lives. Anyway, uh, Shamash is great. If you've been following the show for a while, you can probably tell that I'm experimenting with format a bit. I wrote and recorded this one and the last one in pretty quick succession, mostly so that I have time to do the heavy research needed for the coming episodes, which is going along quite nicely, but taking a good long while. I don't know if people actually like these readings or not as a podcast format. Uh, I suspect if you've gotten this far to listen to the conclusion of the show, you must like it. And the people that don't probably aren't even listening. Uh, so that's how it goes. Whatever the case, there's good news. Up next, we'll be looking at ancient Mesopotamian textile manufacturing, followed by mining, smelting, and the forging of bronze implements. After that, I plan to put out a big summary episode so that we can look at the entire Bronze Age in one big sweep. And after that, assuming I don't come up with any more bonus topics, Season 2 of the podcast will finally, officially begin, bringing us into the super-exciting Iron Age. 
This will see the Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, the Neo-Babylonian Empire, as well as a dive into biblical Israel that will surely fill my inbox with hate mail. I am super excited about it, and I hope you all are as well. The bad news is, though, that this whole fortnightly release schedule thing is probably going to be permanent. I've transitioned into a new, more family-oriented phase in my real life. I was sort of hoping that once the transition was finished, I would have more time to get back into weekly episodes, but life has shattered that expectation, and so the Oldest Stories podcast is going to be releasing every other week for basically the rest of the show, barring some further unexpected change in my life situation. I do hope that you folks can understand, and for the off-weeks, there are plenty of other fantastic podcasts to fill that oldest story-sized hole in your heart. I can recommend The History of Persia with Trevor Cully, which should be familiar to most of you. He did a guest episode on here not that long ago as well as the history of Egypt with Dominic Perry, which is probably my favorite history show, uh, and my longtime favorite podcast all around, The History of Philosophy Without Any Gaps by Peter Adamson, is also a fantastic pick for anybody looking for more podcasts. And also, I don't know how many of you are on TikTok, but like I said, The Oldest Stories has been on TikTok for a little while now. Um, these are all these ancient texts that I never got a chance to read on the air. And a lot of them just fit perfectly into a, like a little two-minute TikTok video. I'm doing uh, just whatever comes to mind. I have a pretty big library at this point with Sumerian proverbs, Akkadian texts... I'm answering basic questions that people are asking, shooting for a couple posts every week. It really, it takes like 10 minutes, uh, which is pretty, pretty great for me because I'm super busy. But 10 minutes to do a little reading, that's, that's great. Um, so it's probably going to stay with the podcast for the uh, foreseeable future. So if you're on TikTok, check out Oldest Stories, all one word, and it has the familiar face of Ebby Ill's statue smiling at you, then you're in the right place. Anyway, that's all the show news for a while. I didn't try and keep it minimal, but it does sometimes pile up over time. Join us next time, two weeks from now, for a look at how clothing was made and worn in Bronze Age Mesopotamia. Thank you for listening.